20 years. 20 years of TNA. Can you believe it? I can't believe it. It is absolutely unbelievable. What an accomplishment for TNA Wrestling. Hello again and welcome to another episode of Sig Daddy's Wrestling Show. Skylar Sig Daddy Sigmund joined by my co-host, J.O. once again. Hello, everybody. I'm back. Yep, he's back. Just a little bit of a hiatus because was unable to access double or nothing. Not double or nothing. <laughs> Not double or nothing. Gosh, I'm a pay-per-view back, J.O. What the hell? <laughs> uh, forbidden door from uh, this weekend, but uh, J.O., did you hear good things about it? Yes, I heard very good things about it. Um, mostly from you and checking the Twitter sphere during the weekend. I heard it was a very, very good pay-per-view. Yeah, while the build was a little bit underwhelming, the show was still pretty darn good and a really good match, really good matches. If you want to hear my reaction to it, check it out in the archives on Sig Daddy's Wrestling Show, wherever you get your podcast. But our topic of discussion here this time out is the four-year anniversary show of TNA TNA Slammiversary 2006. TNA celebrated 20 years, celebrating 20 years this year. They began in 2002. My goodness, I if you would have told me TNA would have survived this long, like like about five years, five or six years ago, I would have thought TNA was dead in the water. Like it was gonna just slowly demise, but this is still surviving and thriving today as a Impact Wrestling. Right. I remember right around 2006, all the way up to 2008, maybe even 2010. I should say 2010. Before Hogan and Bischoff took over. Yeah. uh, That's when I paid attention to AEW the most. You mean TNA? But then (laughs) TNA the most. Yes, thank you. (laughs) And after after that, you know, they just slowly started to wane. Uh, I saw they lost... They would lose their TV deals. A, net, a network just didn't want to keep them. And I thought that was it. I thought it was going to be the end for TNA. But no, they chugged along and they're still doing their thing in the year of our Lord 2022. It is wild. 20 years they've lasted. And uh, we're covering TNA Slammiversary 2006. We'll be reviewing that, giving our grades for every match that took place June 18th, 2006 at Universal Studios in Orlando. A seven-match card for this. They opened it up with a video package. Jeff Hardy was on it, even though he hadn't appeared on TV in months. Uh, he was about to get released from the company from my due to my research. Well, from what I researched, he was going to get released pretty soon. Uh, we do get I the mean, highlight. Was, oh, continue, Joe. Sorry. I was just going to say, I mean, he was. they made the video packages beforehand. Uh, who knows how long before the talks of him being released were so i mean no no harm in playing them right no no but he like he like he hadn't been on a pay-per-view since november Hmm. i mean yeah that is a long time but it it was a good video package so i didn't think it was oh no no it was great it was was good it was a really good video package uh the first one first uh first they're talking about they're highlighting the king of the mountain uh, on the video package. Uh, the first one happened in 2004 where Jeff Jarrett won. It was a sign of things to come here tonight, possibly in this, uh, this show. Uh, we get a nice description of the history of the match. No man's retained. So it's like the stakes are pretty high in this match. 
talking about the the uh, how important this match is, and they're talking about each wrestler's accolades. And then we get Mike Tanay and Don West on commentary for this great combination. Don West, while he lacks he lacked in wrestling knowledge, he made up for it in enthusiasm. Oh, he he brought the energy. He definitely brought the energy. Yeah, he did. And th- this first match brought the energy as well. It's a first match of the night was a tag team bingo hall brawl. This so it's team 3D, brother Devon and brother Ray against the James gang, BG James and Kip James. They're also known as the New Age Outlaws if you're a WWE fan. Uh, if you remember their WWE days um, in Degeneration X. But the fireworks go off to start the show, and the uh, James gang and Team 3D are already brawling down the ramp. So apparently there was an open challenge made by Team 3D. They answered it, and there's some uh, – this is just a hardcore match. This is not like you're – there's a reason why it's called a bingo hall brawl is because they're, they're going back to the Dudley boys' roots back in ECW where they fought in a literal bingo hall in Philadelphia. My first thought when I saw this match was the, the, the name of the match fit it perfectly because it wasn't a match. Like you said, it was a brawl from, I was going to say from the start of the bell, but I don't even remember them ringing the bell. It was it just, after the bell was rang after Bubba Ray, brother Ray threw the chairs in. Like they, I was going to, I was going to say it panned to the tunnel. And the next thing you know, that both teams are just in the middle of it wailing on each other. So, and I, thought, I was like, Oh, okay. We're starting right now. Okay. But uh, yeah, brother Ray said no shells, no cells of chair shots to the back. BG James clocks, Ray, who's holding a chair in the head, just going over some highlights here. There was a beatdown by Homicide and Hernandez, so they went towards the LAX broadcast booth, which had Homicide and Hernandez there. Uh, BG James threw Devon into the LAX booth area. Brief moment where it seems like BG James and Conan were working together. Well, J.O., just to give you a little history lesson here, so BG James and Conan were in the same group called the Three Live Crew back in the day. Uh, it was BG James, Conan, and, and uh, our, our Ron Killings. They were all in the same group. And it was not too long ago before, not too long prior, I don't think, before uh, they broke up. Like previously, I think they were still together in 05. So it wasn't, it was still kind of fresh. Their uh, descent, uh, the dissension, if you want to call it that, or whatever, the team splitting. That's why, that's a better word for it. But uh, no, it wasn't the case when BG James and Conan were together. Conan ended up clocking them. Eventually, well, I say during I'm saying this is like this is bowling shoe ugly. This is not a pretty match. Uh, it's still fun though. It's still a lot of fun. Um, Ray sets up a guardrail across four chairs. Uh, moments later, Ray hip tosses James onto the guardrail, which had to have been nasty. I I would agree that even throughout the pay per view, there are some nasty spots not just in the match, but yeah, throughout the pay-per-view, there were some stiff, nasty spots throughout this pay-per-view. Yeah. They also had a hard time uh, maneuvering through the crowd for this match. If you noticed, but uh, their fans were holding up chairs for them to throw them into for throw the guys. Into. I saw that. They, eventually I did did that. A, they did oblige to that. Eventually probably one of the biggest yeah. pops of the match was the brawl. Yeah. And the, they had to, I'm, I, I say security with air quotes because 
I mean, anytime uh, anyone went into the crowd, there's maybe one or two security guards or there. That was it. I thought that was pretty risky. And, and because of that, yeah, it was hard for them to move around through the crowd and dangerous. Let's not forget dangerous. Yeah. Then the nasty part of the match happens where Ray uses a cheese grater on Kip. Ugh. Oof. Yeah. And then Kip's bleeding pretty good at this point. Uh, they do the waz up. After the scoop slam, they, they go, Devon heads up to the top. He dives, but BG puts up the trash can. Brilliant idea here. BJ, BG puts the trash can over his nuts to protect himself. Um, Ray moments later then hits the trash can lid on BG's groin with a golf club. There's a famouser on the trash can to Ray by Kip for a near fall. Kip then mounts Devon in the corner. This is the finish. Hits over the head repeatedly with a cookie cooking sheet. Moments later, Dudley Dil- Dudleyville device. Kip barely kicks out. Ray calls for Devon to get the tables. BG hits Ray with the cookie cooking sheet. And then Devon throws BG o- awkwardly over the top rope. Devon blocks the Cobra clutch attempt slam by uh, Kip. He's trying to put him through the table. Throws him off the ropes. 3D through the table for the one, two, three. And the win at ten minutes and two seconds. Crowd was pretty into this overall. I thought I thought I it was, it was a pretty good. Way. Yeah, it was definitely a good way to open the show. Um, this was not meant to be pretty by any stretch of the imagination. The whole idea was to get the crowd into it. I but I think that's and I think they accomplished that there here, that here. So if you're looking for technical wrestling, I recommend going looking for a different match because you would not see that here. But if you want some carnage, some weapons, weapon spots, some, a cheese grater, then yeah, this this is your this is your match. And some comedy too thrown in there. And some comedy. And some comedy. I gave this a uh, B minus. I thought it was a good way to open the show. I give it a B. Yeah, I was. I kind of think I was close. I was borderline B, B minus here. I was. I was like, I gotta give it some uh, credit because it was. It got. It did what it needed to do. Really, that's what it really. That's really what it amounted to. And I. Yeah, I don't disagree with you giving it a B, B either. I just gave it a little lower grade because I wasn't so sure. But anyway, after that, we cut to Jeremy Borash with Jeff Jarrett back face backstage, talking about how he's the new face of TNA management is in the building. It's this big deal they're making about this. It's do or die tonight for Jarrett because this may be his only chance at the title at this point. He's referencing sports legends like Montana, Reggie Jackson, and Michael Jordan. <laughs> and then he tabs himself here. The Joe Montana, Reggie Jackson, and Michael Jordan of pro wrestling, which is a very, 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 very big stretch. You got to love the confidence. You do. Uh, he says this company's exceeded expectations, now four years old. There's going to be a moment of truth. He's teasing, and there's going to be a moment of truth Moment of truth for Christian and Sting tonight because their egos are so big, and he's going to regain what's rightfully his. And uh, backstage uh, authority figure, uh, Larry Zabisco's got bad news. He's on the uh, championship committee, I think that's what they were saying on the show. Uh, the new face of teenage management is exactly who he thought he was, and it's not good. That's what Zabisco tells Jarrett, which leads us into the upcoming handicap match. Rhino versus Bobby Roode and coach Scott Demore in a two-on-one handicap match. 
Okay, Jay, I forgot to mention this. I was going to mention this, just thought about this a second ago, but there's a lot of, there's a lot of still, there's a lot of current wrestlers on this show. Like there's a lot of people on this show. They're still wrestling today. Oh yeah. 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 Maybe 16, not in TNA, but def- definitely still wrestling somewhere. 16 years later. Who would have thought Kip James, also known as Billy Gunn, would still be wrestling at this point? I say we saw him not too long ago at one of the AEW shows. It was the it was the first one we went to, I believe. Yeah. I forget what year that was. That two thousand and nineteen. Nineteen was nineteen. Yep. And he looked good then, and he looks uh, he looked good when we saw him. And he, I mean, of course, he'll look good now. Two thousand six. That was way. Way back when. I think he looks better now than he did then. Mm, yeah, I, I could see that. He definitely he definitely knows how to take care of himself. I'll say that. But to your point, it's it's crazy of the longevity of some of these wrestlers. Because we got we got, we got Rude, we've got AJ, uh, Rude, AJ, Christian, Sting, uh, amongst others on this show. I gotta look up a couple more names. Uh, Alex Shelley, Jay Lethal. We saw there Shark Boy was in a match recently. I think for some uh, some company, I can't remember which, but he was in a match recently. Um, oh, really? James Storm. Funny thing, James Storms and Chris James Storm and Chris Harris did appear on a this year's TNA Slammiversary, which that was cool. Samoa Joe's still active. Our Truth. Our Truth for sure. Goodness gracious. Yeah, this see, this is it's crazy to think how how many of these guys are still involved in wrestling here. Chris Saban as well. I forgot to mention him. Uh Sanjay Dutt's at least a presence on uh, AEW because he is uh Jay Lethal's manager, Jay Lethal and uh Sotnam Singh's manager for them. But uh Scott Demore, he's the authority figure on uh TNA on Impact Wrestling now. He's involved in this next match. Rhino versus Bobby Roode and Coach Demore in a two-on-one handicap match. So Rude and Demore are part of Team Canada. Uh, Rhino has had his fair share of problems with uh, Team Canada recently. Uh, Rude costed him a spot in the King of the Mountain match at Slammiversary. Demore cuts, comes to the ring, talks about the historic night. Demore sees Rhino through Rhino's plan. And it says Rhino couldn't handle facing Demore one-on-one. And the only thing that hand is handicapped in this match is Rhino's... Uh, I forget what it was. IQ. That's what it was. Rhino's IQ. <laughs> Rude's job is to watch Demore uses catches can can style. Okay, Jo. Come. So, question for you here: What yes. are you? What were your feelings on Scott Demore in this match? Did he really have to be there? I mean, it, it probably meant more to. You. I don't want to say meant more to you, but you probably understood it more because you had the history of the pay-per-view and of TNA. I had to do some catch-up with this one. But I think Root versus uh, Rhino by themselves would have been a pretty decent match. The idea, I think, of this was to get revenge on both him and Demore because they costed him in the world title match, the world title, the King of the Mountain qualifier. And so Rhino wanted to get his hands on both guys. Okay. So, okay. So then story-wise that makes sense, but 
he played the part, I should say. Um, I, we, I, I know I, I, let me start over. I know it's been done before in either a handicap or a tag match where one of the people on the team really isn't supposed to wrestle slash isn't a wrestler, but still gets involved in some way. And I think he does that pretty well. Yeah, and he does a lot of good little heel things. It's a little cheap yeah. heel stuff, but um, Rhino like immediately in the match like charges at the more and it run the more runs away and Rude's like, "What the hell? <laughs> thought you were just gonna do? I thought you were gonna take care of this." <laughs> uh, the fun, funny part, one of the funniest parts of the match was early, the early exchange between Rude and uh, Rhino. And you hear Rhino like Rude. I mean, goes for a float over, and all you hear is. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> I think I did catch that. That was like that was great. That was great. Uh Rhino ends up clotheslining him after that. Uh Bobby Root hits a stunner in this match as well, channeling his inner Stone Cold Steve Austin. Oh hell yeah. I can't do a Stone Cold impressionist. I can't do it. But anyway. It was, it was okay. Yeah, it was okay. It was pretty pathetic, I thought. But uh anyway um they 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 work on rhino the numbers advantage comes into play rhino makes a brief comeback it's a belly to belly on rude rude gets a boots up in the corner there's a neck breaker scott gets tagged in he takes his shirt off at one point exposing his singlet showing how good shape good of shape he's in <laughs> scott heads up top impressively Attempts a moonsault and misses it. But uh, Rude, now on the top rope, gets hit in the gut. Rhino with a shoulder block, back elbow. Spears Rude into the corner. And then there's a hockey stick shot out of the side of the official. Uh, Rhino then spine busters the more. I think, did Rhino no-sold no the uh, hockey, hockey uh, stick shot, right? I believe, yeah, if I remember. Yeah, then he spine busters to more, sends Rude to the outside, then gore to the more. Ends things at 10 minutes and 58 seconds. I thought it wasn't bad. I thought it told the simple story with Rhino wanting to get his revenge. It was a revenge story. He did get his revenge, did some heelish things, did the more with some calisthenics during the match. But I thought it accomplished what it needed to. Uh, I gave it a C plus. Wasn't groundbreaking. Wasn't bad, like you said. Tough, personally, for tough for me to kind of get into because it wasn't a big brawl that anyone could watch and enjoy. There was a story that I wasn't familiar with com going into this, so it was kind of hard to be invested in it. But overall, a decent match. I gave it a C. Okay. Yeah, and I don't think there was a lot of stuff that wasn't like horribly. There, nothing was horrible on this show at all. Nothing was. No. No, there's the, some booking decisions later on. Yes, they, it was terrible. It was some of the stupidest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> but that's TNA. Some that was TNA at certain points in time. Like TNA would do some really stupid stuff booking wise. But nonetheless, we have a really good match. Probably the second best match of the night, in my opinion. Up next, uh, the six way. Elimination match to determine the number one contender for the X Division title. This is right after a promo from Samoa Joe. Um, then we get, yeah, so it's Senshi 
also known as Loki, versus Shark Boy, versus Petey Williams, versus Jay Lethal before he was Black Machismo, uh, versus Alex Shelley, versus Sanjay Dutt. This is a really good cast of characters here in this match. And are you familiar with any of these guys, J.O.? Oh, yeah. Uh, for, oh, for sure. Um, Jay Lethal uh, was recently, you know, in the news, in the wrestling news for uh, coming to AEW. So knew him through there. Uh, as you mentioned, I knew, I recognized Senshi immediately as Loki from uh, WWE. Came from, I believe it was still called Tough Enough. It was uh, um, NXT. It was actually NXT. Was it NXT at that point? It was the it was the the reality show practically. They the reality it. show. They, they remember they did that with the coaches and every each guy had a coach. Caval his name was actually Caval on WWE, and he was coached by Michelle McCool and uh, Layla. Okay. He actually won the show from. Yeah, it was from some WWE de- uh, developmental. Mm-hmm. Um, he was the one who eliminated Taker at. One of the Rumbles, was he not? Was no, that him? That, no, no, no. That was Maven. Maven. Okay, okay. Loki was, that was like, that was too, Loki was around 2010, I think, when he won the, uh, when he won NXT. So, but yeah. Okay. And I actually knew Shark Boy. I definitely remember watching and hearing about Shark Boy. And I was going to, and I, I I thought when I first heard a shark boy, I thought he had a stone cold thing going on. No, was that's that just he, so not yet, not yet. It was a little, it was about okay. three years late, two or three years later. But I was going to mention that you read my mind because I love that gimmick. <laughs> I don't know why I was, was I was look, I was looking for it during his intro and during the match because I've seen photos with him wearing the stone cold vest. Only it had uh, sharks on it, and it didn't have three sixteen. It had something else on it. But I was uh, looking for that. But I was I was a little disappointed when I didn't when I saw that wasn't happening yet. But yeah, those were the one, th- th- those were the ones I knew of. Those were uh, Shark Boy. Yeah, I was gonna talk. You read my mind about that because I I remember that gimmick and I was like, I, it was a total Stone Cold ripoff, like an absolute total Stone Cold ripoff. But I absolutely loved it. Right, and it was over. If I... What would you say? Sorry, your audio went out. Oh, and the Shark Boy Stone Cold gimmick was over. Like everyone loved it. Yeah, it was. It was pretty. It was a pretty cool thing. So this match is a six-way elimination match to determine the number one contender for the X Division title. So the, what they explained to me, how they explained it was, if you whoever get eliminated, like the order of elimination is the number the uh, ranking you'll have. So if you get eliminated first, you're automatically number six. But if you win it, you're the number one contender for the X Division Championship which at this point is held by Samoa Joe, the unstoppable freaking monster, the undefeated monster that is Samoa Joe, who has a big match coming up later in the night with a big, bad booty daddy, Scott Steiner. <laughs> but anyway, there was uh, there's some interesting spots in this match. A shark boy bites Petey Williams' butt was certainly one of them. He gives him the shark bite, I guess, if you want to call it. <laughs> Also noting Jay Lethal is the youngest person in this uh, match. He's on the youngest person on the TNA roster at this point at 20 years old. My goodness. 20 years old. My goodness. Yeah. Um, Man has not aged. No, he hasn't really aged. He looks, he looks pretty. He He looks looks, the same. Looks the same. Maybe a little more seasoned, but still he looks 
He looks like he's aged a little bit, but not much. Um, we get some roundhouse kicks to the chest, some really stiff strikes from Senchi, which is which he's known for. Lethal does answer with a pretty good knife edge chop at one point. Shelly gets in, uh, wraps Lethal's own arms around his neck, leans him back into a submission. Lethal briefly counters into that, and then a uh, backstabber by Shelly. Who so Jo? I'm gonna go. I'm just, before I get into the eliminations. Uh, who stood out for you in this match? Who were the standouts? Because I have a couple. For me, I was surprised how well Senshi was able to carry himself. I mean, it looks like. I mean, it's WWE's calling card sometimes, but they have guys who that, who aren't giving their due. But I didn't know Senshi could go like that, or knew Loki could go like that. He he definitely stood out to me. Jay Lethal, I kind of paid more attention to him, mostly because he, he was one of the three that I knew for those two. Oh. I my the funny thing is mine's my two are different than yours. Mine are oh. uh Sanjay Dutt and uh Alex Shelley. Because what with Shelley, he brought something completely different to the match than everybody else which was more of the technical side. And he was coming up with some pretty interesting holds in this as well. But I thought Dutt kind of got a, it was a chance. It was kind of a little of a breakout match for him because he got to showcase his high flying and everything. But I thought Shelly got to showcase a lot of what he can do. Cause he did, he like he uses some high flying too as well, but he was more of a grounded approach with some really cool like uh, moves he was using. And this is for the X division, so most people are expecting it to be the high flying kind of spots. But it's nice to know those guys can, you know, switch it up. Mm-hmm. Um, at one point, okay, my actually, this is my favorite spot of this match. So, do you, do you are you thinking what spot I'm thinking of? I'm trying to. So, Dutt's get Dutt gets crotched on the top rope, and Shelly drags Dutt groin first across it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And they were talking about how there's he he's correct me if this is not the match, but they say um like people get rope burn before but not rope burn like that. Was that no. that spot? Yes, 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 no? that was that spot. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. All right, yeah, I remember that one. Oh god, that was that was something. Have you seen I had never seen that before. I've seen uh, we've all seen spots where they're either thrown on, onto the top rope or they're trying to walk across it and then their foot gets kicked out from under them. But yeah, nothing, nothing like that. I've never no, seen anything like that. Nothing where they get their nuts dragged across the top rope. Yeah, I've never seen that. Hope to never see that again. If I'm being completely honest. <laughs> oh yeah, but uh, after uh, Shelley pulls out a line, so he does pull out some high high flying. He puts his hand in his pants. And puts it in the face of Shark Boy. Oh my God, that was thank God Shark Boy was wearing a mask. Uh, yeah, he probably got some. Ugh, you know, even yeah, say, sweaty I hope balls. After the match, I hope after the match he went home, washed the mask, or maybe even threw it away and get get a new one, or just burn it, burn it, yeah, or burn it. Uh, not too long after that, there was a six-pack suplex, which was a cool spot where Lethal Shark Boy and Dutt uh, suplexed Senshi, Shelley, and Williams. First elimination occurs. 
After a standing shooting star press by Sanjay Dutt, uh, he lands out on Sharkboy, eliminating him early on. Um, next elimination occurs after a full Nelson overhead suplex by Lethal. He uh, sends Shelly to the to the showers. Well, he didn't really send him to the showers because Shelly would appear later on in this show. So we're down to four with Lethal, Dutt, Senshi, and Williams. Not too long after that, count, uh, there's counter from Williams and Lethal. Kick to the head of Williams. Lethal misses with a diving headbutt. Then there's Canadian. Then the Canadian Destroyer, which Petey Williams can blame. You can blame Petey Williams for all the destroyers these days because he's the one that innovated it. It looked good. <laughs> and that was a finisher. That was a finisher. So, <laughs> but it, the wrestling changes over time. So you just got to get, you just have to deal with it. So don't be a grumpy old man about it. Uh, there's a Canadian destroyer by Williams to Lethal. So that Lethal's gone. Now we're down to three. Uh, Williams accidentally takes Dutt out on the apron. Dutt then hits a, I think they call it the slice bread on Williams. And uh, Senshi then hits Warrior's Way to Petey to send him packing. Final elimination happens after Senshi goes for a fisherman's buster. Dutt drops him face first on the knee, following with up with a neck breaker for a long two count. Dutt then goes for the 450. Senshi gets his knees up, drop kicks Dutt into the corner, hangs Dutt into the tree of woe. Warrior's Way, the double stomp, or the or J.O. would like to call it the coup de gras. The coup de gras. To make Senshi the number one contender at 19 minutes and 33 seconds. But there's a certain thing I liked about this match at the NJO because you know how that double stomp in the corner, I, I, I it's kind of stupid if you think about it, holding yourself up to get stomped. Oh, yeah. The, you know, you got a susp- suspension of disbelief sometimes, but I, I know what you're saying. But Dutt, I thought it was smart the way they did it here because Dutt was not by, he was just not like hanging on to the top rope. Since she stood on Dutt's legs, Dutt still raised himself up for a moment because he was pretty dazed at that point. He let go a little too late because you notice Dutt let go and then Senshi was able to hit it. I thought that was a better yeah. way of doing it because normally they just have the guy just holding themselves up on the, like that. And it's like, that's kind of stupid, but I thought it was a smart way to do it. And I thought this was a very, very fun match. At this point, it was match of the night. I thought this was a showcase, good showcase for all six guys. But uh, I thought Shelly and Dutt stood out, and uh, I gave this a, a B plus. A B plus. So I'm always a fan of the high flying multi man matches. So this was definitely one of my favorite matches of the night. And it took me a minute to. So correct me if I'm wrong, but I know TNA kind of started getting this reputation of having these convoluted stipulations to their matches. Yes. And then how you described it, I I didn't I really didn't know how I felt about the the seeding stipulation about the order you got. I mean, I don't know how I feel about that, but I did like how they started off with it was a it was a tag, you know? Yeah. How yeah, I forgot to mention that. Yeah. Yeah, I, I kind of like that. That was that was kind of cool. Um, but besides besides the weird stipu- the the seating stipulation, I did like the eliminations. Uh, you talked about the six man, um, 
suplex. I thought that was pretty cool. And yeah, I, it was a good match. I gave it a, a B plus. It, that was definitely one of the top matches of the night for sure. Um, after the match, we get Shelly with Kevin Nash and uh, Jeremy Borash backstage. It's Father's Day at that time. He wants to talk about, well, he wants to talk to Chris Saban's dad, his upcoming opponent's dad, not picking up the doctor's bills or disability. And then eventually ask your man if size doesn't matter. So up next is Kevin Nash versus Chris Saban. So the story heading into this, everyone at home, Nash wants to go after the X division. He wants to seal its identity. And he, so far he's, the video packages show shows he has laid wreckage to the entire X division. So I said the story of this match was size matters versus size doesn't matter. I kind of like that. I kind of like that idea. It's a David Goliath kind of thing. And they, they reuse this kind of story. I think about a year later, because there is a, <laughs> there's they, they they do reuse it because it's Shelly. So Shelly, the funny thing is Saban, Shelly's in the corner of Nash at this point. Well, about a year later, Shelly and Saban are tag partners. And they're, they end up facing the Dudley boys at TNA Genesis 2007. And it's then the Dudley boys are anti-X division at that point. But anyway, in this match, this is Kevin Nash, by the way. This is Kevin Nash's first match in well over, over a year, according to Mike Tanay, which that was a good point he made on commentary. They're talking about how many surgeries Nash has had, which is absolutely ridiculous, on his knee. Oh, that man's knee. I would love to see an x-ray of that because who knows how much knee is actually left, and it's just bolts and plates or however you fix a knee. But, yeah, that man, that poor man has been plagued with knee injuries if, instead his of his entire, entire, his entire career. career. Yeah. Like – Instead of doing the Rey Mysterio, I've had surgery five times in my left knee. They should do Kevin Nash on there. <laughs> I've had surgery, I don't know how many times in my knee. Gosh. Because that, yeah, that Rey Mysterio thing is iconic. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's, I've had surgery five times in my left knee. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so great. So great. But Saban does go after the knee earlier. So he did his scouting. Saban did. He, he did it. But the story of this match, he watched his tape. He got it. He watched his tape. He's like, all right, Nash's weak point is his knees because he didn't even, he didn't even need Mike Tanay to mention it. Go after the knees. But uh, the story of this match really is Saban, Saban's holding his own here, but Nash has to use every single shortcut in the books to win, pokes him in the eye. At one after Saban takes Nash off his feet with a drop kick, Saban was going to go for a dive. He backs away, but he calls for Shelley in the back, and uh, so Shelley's just providing distractions throughout this entire match. At one point, Saban does call for the cradle shock. That's not happening. Saban runs off the ropes. Shelley grabs his leg. Nash with the big boot. Nash is dominating. Nash dominates a good, very, very big portion of this match. There's dueling right. chants at the end. Uh, not at the end, but there's the latter portions. Nash goes for a jackknife. Saban fights out, covers Nash for a long two. Saban then goes for cradle shock again. Shelly grabs Nash's leg, which Nash's leg seemed like it was the longest leg I've ever seen in my life. Is it like spanned <laughs> I mean, like halfway across the like, ring? The man is like 7'2". Yeah, he's unbelievably tall. Um, 
Shelly grabs Saban. Nash almost hits Shelly. There's a basement drop kick to Nash's knee. Uh, Tope to Shelly on the outside takes him out at least momentarily. So Saban's getting some momentum here. Springboard clothesline for a long two count. Hits a leg drop off the top. Nash barely kicks out. Then Saban up back up top again. Shelly crotches Saban off the distraction on the top rope. And then Shelly wants the jackknife powerbomb from Nash. Straps down. Nash hits it. Game over. 8-22. Nash gets the win. Way too much interference here. At first, I was going to be worried that Okay, I know this. I've I've heard this kind of uh, story few before. Are they are they about to bury an entire division? But it's because I think with the interference, even though he lost, you could say, yeah, he lost, but that way there's some room there, you know. It was pretty much a two on one handicap match. Yeah, once once Shelly got out there, absolutely. And I think this was to cover Nash's shortcomings at the moment because he just was his first match back. I could, yeah, that is a really good point. I didn't even think about that. Because even when, you know, Nash was healthy, he wasn't always the best wrestler. He doesn't move the greatest. So, no. And add the knee surgeries to that. Man, the man's out there doing his thing. But, yeah, they definitely had to had to carry him for a little bit, which makes complete sense now that you say that. Yeah. And I thought – I still thought – I like the story they told here. But I, I just thought there was too much interference and uh, – and the one thing was the ref never saw any of it. <laughs> the ref was useless. The refs never see anything. You know this. It's at some point when you get involved like four or five times, you have to see something. But uh, <laughs> it is okay. You got to suspend your disbelief, I guess, for a minute. I gave it a C plus. C plus as well. So after that match, we get JB with America's Most Wanted and Gail Kim backstage. Who is Gail Kim is smoking here, smoking, <laughs> no doubt. We get uh, I, what you're saying, Jay. I'm sorry. I do not remember Gail Kim being that tan. Now she is very tan here, but very, very tan, very tan. No, because of, of course, Gail Kim. I first remember her um, from uh, the Big Dub. Again, another example of WWE didn't know what they had. Let her go. Um, spent some time in Lucha, correct? I don't know. I, I'm not sure. Okay, I may be wrong. Don't quote me on this, Daddy, but I believe she was spent some time in Lucha Underground for a little bit. But Gail Kim, future Hall of Famer for TNA? Oh, she, I think she already is. Well, at the, at the time of the pay-per-view. Uh, not quite yet. Because she didn't start really hitting her stride here because she won the knockout inaugural knockouts championship in 2007. That's where she really started to take off a bit. And she had, in J.O., if you didn't know this, uh, he had, she had, I mean, Gail Kim had two, uh, two runs in WWE. Two. See, I did not know that. I only knew of the first one where she... Actually, is it, was no, there you, any, the first one was actually in 03, around 03. 03? See, wasn't there an infamous spot where it might have been an elimination or whatever and she got pinned or just took a hit and then rolled out and just left the ring? It was a battle royal back in, I think, 2009, 10-ish, somewhere around, maybe 11. I don't know what year it was, but it resulted in her going right back to TNA. 
but yeah, she is okay. one of the best. But she was, she was looking good here. She was looking good. She very, was. very tan, very tan. Yes. Uh, so this is the last chance for AJ and Daniels. Harris says they have no chance. Says experiment with uh, Daniels and Styles tagging is, has been a complete disaster. What gets me here is Storm is absolutely just goofing off in the background here the whole entire time. <laughs> Not taking anything seriously. Um, he's drinking his beer. Gail is a neutralizer, apparently, according to Styles. And uh, okay, it says, says they have a neutralizer. The uh, the uh, the Styles and Daniels, that is. Um, but she can see why she's such a distraction. She says, uh, "Storm says he's happier than a gopher and softer," which was an interesting line. It's one of those southern sayings I don't get. Yeah, from the way he made it sound, it sounds like the gopher eats the dirt, but I'm pretty sure that's not true. That's like a pig. I guess it's like a pig in mud or something. <laughs> uh, he said that. That was the first thing I know. I was like, "Wait a minute, gopher's don't eat dirt." But yeah, I'm sorry. Continue. Uh, yeah. Anyway, we get the match <laughs> of the night here. Period. Point blank. No doubt. AJ Styles and Christopher Daniels versus America's Most Wanted. James Storm and Chris Harris. Uh, Harris and Storm are the longest reigning NWA tag champs at this point. Eight months. And uh, AJ Styles, as we noted before, have lost. I don't know if we noted this, but AJ Styles and Daniels have lost three times in, this, in the in the lead up to this. They've lost three times due to distractions at some point. And it's the last chance for Styles and Daniels. And they they have someone on tap to neutralize Gail Kim, but uh, it's a mystery. And still, after the match, by the end of the match, it's still a mystery because I have no idea who this person is by the end. But okay, well, I was going to ask you if you knew who that was because you're the historian, not I. So I had no idea who that was. So my first thing was to say, "I'll ask Sig Dan. I'm pretty sure he'd know who that was." The broadcasters didn't even know who it was. Yeah, if they, I was half expecting, was like, oh my God, it's, no, they didn't say that. They were like, who the heck is that? They were just talking about how big she was. Like, literally, they had no, today, and they're like, uh, <laughs> oh my gosh, this person just choke slammed her. Who is she? It's like, nobody has a clue who she is. How are we supposed to care? But yeah. that, that's not important part. That was that was just a part to neutralize Gail Kim, get her out of the match. But this match, J.O., goodness gracious, was it good. AJ Styles, man. He, back in his early career in TNA, he could go. So, so talented in the ring. It's It's insane. And he's never not been good. That's the thing. He's never not been good. And just as his career goes on, gets a little older, has to change his – he adapts. That's what makes him so amazing is, is he can adapt. But what makes him phenomenal, pun intended. Oh, okay. There you go. That's that's how you should say it. But, yeah. He he went for the, the, the spiral tap. My God, that's such a pretty move to see him do. That's my favorite move. If he ever hits it, it's my favorite move to like to see. Because I've watched, I've watched like highlight reel. I'll go out and watch highlight reels of just him hitting the spiral tap. Because it's just freaking so, insane. So athletic, and it's funny. I think I noticed that uh, there was a there was a, a a highlight video or something. We'll call it a highlight video of 
moves AJ Styles doesn't do anymore. And, you know, there are all these high-flying moves like the Fosbury flop and the, the spiral tap. And I, I noticed, I'm pretty sure all of those moves were the moves he did from this match. Like, that video just used moves from this match. Mm-hmm. I thought that was a funny thing. It's just, but it's be, you see it in the match. He can do, his aerial offense was some of the best ever, like, oh, during this time. Some of the most innovative stuff you'll ever see, too. Uh, even today, it still stands the test of time, of course. Um, we did get that signature dropkick at the beginning of the match after a great exchange yeah. with Storm. By the way, America's Most Wanted had been teaming ever since the like debut, I think, of TNA. They were mentioning on the broad, the uh, on commentary. So America's Most Wanted has been with like it was an original TNA tag team. Which, uh, yeah, this match was great. There, there's a one comedic spot in the match, uh, a drop toe hold where Storm, where uh, Storm gets drop toe hold into a 69 position on Harris. <laughs> It's by Dan Christopher Daniels. And then Storm stomps. Then stomps Storm's head right into Harris's groin. I that was brilliant. That that got a chuckle out of me. Um, we get some of AJ's signature offense with the signature knee drop. Styles eventually gets uh, neutralized at a certain point. Um, Daniels gets dropped throat first on the guardrail, which looked rough. Um, Styles hopped over the guardrail, goes to springboard off of it, and then kicks the guardrail. This is where things kind of turn. This is where things go down a little bit for Styles and Daniels. He gets Storm kicks out the guardrail and dropping AJ ribs first. Uh, they use some of their dual offense with the leapfrog over Harris by Storm onto AJ's back. AJ eventually knees his way out, hits the Pele kick to Storm, who is sitting on the top rope. Unfreaking believable. Daniels gets the hot tag. Daniels fighting off both members of AMW. Moonsault by Daniels to Storm. He hits a blue thunder bomb. You know, I know you love that blue thunder bomb, J.O. Hit the blue thunder bomb on Harris. We actually saw, I think, two blue thunder bombs on this show, by the way. It's such a pretty move. I wish uh, the same as Zane still do it. I think so. I think so. Okay, it should it should be his finisher. <laughs> it never gets the pin though. It never gets the pin. No. It's always a bit. It's always a big move though, because everyone goes ooh and ah yeah. at it, which that's great. Uh, and here comes the distractions from Gail Kim on the top rope. AJ pushes her off into the ring. Gail backs in to who is the neutralizer here, which is some woman, some buff woman, and uh, choke slams Gail Kim and throws Kim to the outside. She carries Kim to the lifeless Gail Kim to the back as commentary has still has no clue who this person is. So we head back into the ring. AMW sets up for a double team maneuvers, victory roll for a near fall by Daniels. Harris counters, but for with an angel's wings, O'Connor roll by Daniels. Harris kicks him into a steel chair thrown by storms. So the ref's not able to see this. Daniels does kick out though, fighting him up, fight out, fighting it off, able to react, uh, Early enough to kick out. Harris then confronts the official. AJ's tagged in blindly. Hits the phenomenal forearm halfway across the ring, mind you. Some air. He got a lot of air here. That was insane. In the six-sided ring, Storm goes for an O'Connor roll. Springboard reverse GDT by AJ. Always super smooth. It never gets old. So crisp. 
And then we have Harris with the handcuffs eventually. He hits AJ with the handcuffs. Daniels puts the official, pulls the official out of the ring right before the uh, three count when they, so they're pulling out every trick in the book here. They set up for the mm-hmm. death sentence here, which is an assisted leg drop where uh, someone holds the opponent and then the teammate dives onto him with the leg drop. Uh, Daniels hits a DVD. Styles hits a somersault senton for a near fall. Daniels goes for Angel's wing. Storm clotheslines Daniels. Um, moments later, Storm puts his cowboy hat on. He's getting real cocky here. Goes for the super kick. Daniels grabs the leg. Daniels tells the ref to look at AJ, and then he kicks him square in the nuts, giving Storm and them some comeuppance for all the times they've cheated. Uh, AJ, not AJ, but Daniels hits the Angels' wings onto the cowboy hat. Harris elbows the ref to stop the count. AJ clotheslines Harris in the corner, whips Harris into the corner. AJ misses on the charge. Storm in the ring with a beer bottle. One last chance. He accidentally clubs his own partner in the back of the head. Right hand to Storm by Daniels. Daniels hits an urina, a urinagi. Orders Styles to go up top. AJ hits a frog splash. Daniels then with the best moonstall ever. And they win the TN, not the TNA, the NWA Tag Team Championships. And my goodness, the place erupted after this. I just really wish he went uh, for the spiral top again at the end instead of the frog splash. But yeah, they I was surprised at the kind of the pop they got after this match. And you could see it well, Daniel's emotion sold it too as well. Yeah, that that too. Because he was like flexing and all fired up. It's like, yeah, we just did it. We finally, well, it's finally winning it after having the so many chances and falling just short every time. I gave this match an A because I thought it was awesome and the crowd made it, but the crowd really made it even better. Like the story of AM, AMW using every trick in the book to retain and then Styles finally, Styles and Daniels finally being able to overcome all of that to win the titles was a cool story. I gave it an A+. was a fan of this version of AJ Styles. Um, Christopher Daniels held his own, too. Overall, a great match. A+. Plus. Yeah, it's match of the night. It's, it's not even close. <laughs> Agreed. Agreed. They celebrate their title win with the crowd. You get Sting backstage with JB. It's first chance at heavyweight championship gold in TNA. So Sting had just came back to TNA back in January at final resolution. He says, good be, it's good to be in the house and good to be wrestling for the world title tonight. And Sting says he can multitask. Says he'll take the title if he has the chance. And he just wants to keep Jared away. Mostly he just wants to keep Jared away from any sort of power here because it's showtime, as Sting likes to say. And then there we have the video package reliving some of TNA's greatest moments, celebrating their four-year anniversary. You've got Toby Keith suplexing Jeff Jarrett, country music singer, by the way, if you're not familiar with him. Ken Shamrock winning the NWA title at their first ever weekly pay-per-view event. Uh, Rowdy Roddy Piper appearing for them. Randy Savage as well. Diamond Dallas Page. Christian debuting. Mr. Perfect appearing. Hardy swantoning off the top of the stage through Abyss at Monsters Ball at Bound for Glory 2005 was one of those things that stuck out to me. Um, as well as Jarrett clobbering Hogan with the guitar and leaving him bloody in Japan. And then we had Sabu and Abyss and Barbed Wire Massacre. 
as well in there. And we got that Elix Skipper tight wiring the stage into a Hurricanrana at a turning point 2004. I bet you've never seen that Elix Skipper highlight, have you? I have not, no. It was impressive, wasn't it? Yeah. I was, and then you talking about the video package. I forget some of the, some of the names TNA had for a while. Like I didn't, I don't even think I knew Sabu was with TNA at one point. Like I had no idea. Yeah. He was with them for a while. And then eventually eh, it's around this point where ECW got revived. Oh yeah. I went back to WWE ECW. This is around the same time as one night stand. Oh six. Didn't think about that, but we get Tanae introducing the new public face of TNA management. He runs down his purse, this person's resume. And if you know anything, it's, you know, it's Jim Cornette. And the funny thing was oh, Cornette, I- Cornette accidentally drops cane on the way to the ring and he had just had knee surgery. He no sold the knee surgery though. He was looked like he was moving around just fine. Hey, I, I could notice he, I noticed he limped a bit, but <laughs> still, he said the last match was what tag team wrestling is all about. He's there for a specific reason. Talking about the TNA's new face of professional wrestling. And he's tired of sick and tired of the old one. And that was a that was a little jab at WWE. There's some nobody thought TNA was gonna last four weeks, let alone four months. Now they've lasted four years. They wanted to bring people in power. The initial people they brought into power had personal agendas. He doesn't have one. He's not politically correct. If you know Jim Cornette, that is definitely for sure. Because he's made some very, very insensitive and (laughs) other insensitive and not very politically correct comments at certain points. But he knows how this business works and he's going to be overseeing the operations of this company. He's expecting people to hit home runs, people with reputations to step up or step off. Wants to see the seats filled and everyone chanting TNA. Three goals. For these people who are working with TNA, people who I can have great matches, people who can sell pay-per-views, and people who can draw ratings. If you can accomplish one of those, we're in good, they're in good graces with little old corny. But if you don't, you'll need to find another place to work. And if someone tries to this try was a good promo. it was a good promo. No, I, I agree. It was really good. Cornette can talk. Cornette's really good. That's what I was gonna ask you if it, what you thought about the promo. Oh, he, it was a great, great promo. And I don't know that much about Cornette, but I knew, yeah, he was he has a big persona- personality on the mic, and I definitely saw that with this promo. But I, So my question to you is, though, again, Sig Daddy, the historian, was was there any bad blood between him and WWE at this point? Because the, the comment he made made me wonder. I, I assume he – well, he didn't, like, he didn't like his time there. Well – if you know, if you, if you're familiar with his history with Vince Russo, he can't stand Vince Russo. He will. He has said it before. He said he'll piss he'll piss on his grave. He will live long enough to piss on Russo's grave because he's ruined profession. He ruined professional wrestling. And because they were on the same creative team, you remember this Montreal screw job. He was on the same yeah. creative team as him. And he, he's Cornette's also said he's ruined careers. Russo's ruined careers due to the brawl for all as well. So they have a lot of blood, a lot of bad blood, but I, I don't know if that had to do with anything at this point, but with WWE, but I don't know. He might, he just must not have been the fan of the product. And you, you, and if you, uh, you're familiar with Cornette these days, he, he'll crap on AEW a lot. 
he'll crap on a lot. He craps on a lot of modern wrestling if you listen to him because he's kind of stuck in the old ways of the 70s and 80s, how things work in wrestling. But Right, because I think he – didn't he attack the Young Bucks a while back about how their, like, their style of wrestling isn't, you know, wrestling? Yeah, it is. He does, He's done that. He, it doesn't, wouldn't surprise me if he did. He's he, he goes after a lot of people. But he's kind of – he's one of those old man, get off my lawn kind of things. I, I respect <laughs> what Cornette's done for the industry. He was a very, very good manager. He's a very, very good talker. Long-winded, mind you. Long-winded, but uh, I thought he did really good here as well. Yeah. And then we get a great promo here. Uh, J.O. and I are uh, talking over Zoom on here, if you're, if you're listening to the podcast. And I'm wearing my Einsteiner shirt, which has the <laughs> greatest promo of all promos. The TNA, the, uh, the Steiner math promo. Steiner doesn't cut <laughs> quite the Steiner math promo here, but still, he cuts a pretty good Steiner promo here. He, he says a lot of what he wants, but it, it, you never know what Scott Steiner's going to say. Um, and here he says that, he says to JB, don't call that half-breed Samoa Joe, call him Sloppy Joe. Sloppy Joe. That was funny. <laughs> Sloppy Joe, we'll see why he has the reputation that he does. He's beating names like Goldberg, Batista, Sting Triple H, John Cena. I don't think he's beaten John, Triple H or John Cena, or he may have beaten Batista. I don't know. But, and then he says, who have you beat, Mr. X Division? He's talking about the rednecks in the crowd at one point. Fans at home want to see him. He's talking about how fat everyone is. And the powers <laughs> at TNA do not sell, they, the powers at TNA want to sell a pay-per-view and a DVD that is unsellable, which is Samoa Joe's DVD, the best of Samoa Joe that they were promoting at the time. And they're going to show you, he's going to show everyone why he's big pop a pump. Your win streak ends. And tonight, and this is the top, this is the top everything off. But Scott Steiner threatens murder here. Scott Steiner's about to commit it. murder. I believe you try. He's, he? he's, he's that, he's that, he's got that kind of vibe. He's, he's got the short fuse. And he says, tonight I will kill you to Samoa Joe. <laughs> one way to cap off a promo so we're gonna we're about to see a murder murder live on pay-per-view here apparently according to scott steiner it's a non-title match x division champ samoa joe versus big papa pump scott steiner they were bit they were making this a big deal pretty big deal uh on commentary because this is like the first time meeting between these two guys yeah and samoa joe is what undefeated Currently yep. in TNA. And uh, we had a really I'm good looking, video package here, oh, too. Oh, yeah, the video package for this one, I think, was probably one of the better ones of the pay-per-view. Because I like these close-up videos where they're practically having a conversation. And they were kind of selling this match as a big deal. I forgot to mention earlier, we had we got motion graphics for this show. Not the greatest motion graphics, but we got motion graphics. <laughs> For like the matchups, yeah. Steiner here is absolutely yoked to the gills. My God, the veins that dude has. He even he even pointed it out to Samoa Joe. Like these are veins. You don't have these because you're fat. <laughs> but that that man is vascular. 
and his biceps are just uh, they're un- otherworldly size of my head the biggest arms in the world as he likes to call them um this is a match called you like as the biggie likes to call it do big meaty men bumping meat this is not a five-star classic <laughs> would you say it's a three-star classic i'd say it's close to that um we get Steiner using his amateur wrestling background early on because he wrestled at the University of Michigan. Like, and then got Wolverines. Yep, Wolverines. Joe yeah. cold gazes him though. Steiner takes him down again, just slaps him, and ends up paintbrushing him again after he hip tosses Joe. Joe spits on him in an act of defiance. Then we get a hockey fight, and then the Kawada kicks to Steiner, which were just absolutely brutal. And uh, Joe with stiff. This match was stiff. A kick to the back and chest of Joe. Knee drop to Steiner. Crowd pops with a big knee drop from Joe. Steiner starts hitting his uh, belly to belly. He drops Joe on his neck. Tanae references it three times in this match. And and noticing noticing is this match going along. No one's really able to get momentum earlier in the early stages. Yeah, kind of a stalemate between the two. So at one point, Steiner's power bombs Joe, which was absolutely impressive. He was billed at what, 280 pounds? Yeah, Joe is probably close to 300 here. Joe locks in a triangle off of that, though. And uh, then Joe whips Steiner into the turnbuckle. Joe charges, hit him with hit him with the... Uh, Steiner actually hits him with Joe's ur- Uranagi. Because usually you'll see people charge into the corner at Joe and he let the Uranagi. Well, Steiner actually hit yeah. it this time, which was a cool little piece. Uh, Steiner then drags Joe to the outside, slams Joe into the wall. And then apparently they said on commentary that Steiner smacked a fan at some point. It got in his yeah, way. Yeah, I didn't see it. No, I it was off that. camera. Okay. You think it was an actual fan or you think it was a plant? I don't know what's what it was exactly because you never know with Scott Steiner. You just don't know, which makes him makes him which makes him so great. By the this way, is true. I'm a big Scott Steiner mark. Here on the let, let that be known, I'm a big Scott Steiner mark. So the uh, Rudy Charles referee Rudy Charles prevents Steiner from using the chair momentarily. This is where I get confused because there's no. I, I thought there was this was just a normal match. Okay, thank you for saying that. Cause I was watching it too. I was like, did I miss something? Like, I was like, did they say this was a no DQ? Did they say this was a no holds barred? Yeah, they they were so willing to use weapons. Like, there wasn't going to be a consequence. So that got me confused. Yeah, I was lost here. I'm like, that's the one thing that took away from this match slightly. Cause I'm like, so Steiner pushes the ref away. Joe punches the chair. Then Steiner hits Joe in the gut with it. I said, no DQ, I guess, at this point. I think it's just the ref's discretion here because it's a personal feud. So Steiner hits Joe in the head with the chair. Oh, that was and, a brutal chair shot, by the yeah, way. That was me. a really yeah, it was a pretty brutal chair shot, no doubt. But then we have this weird thing that happens here, too, where Charles says, I want to get this match back in the ring. So they have it announced to everybody in the ring. Man, that's everybody in the, the audience. That I thought that was a thing that always happened. Like no, during you, a match. You just start a count out. You just start the count out, not just freaking sit there. Yeah, that's what I'm yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. I thought, you know, if the wrestlers are out, 
of the ring, you just start the 10 count. You don't have to announce, hey, I'm starting the 10 count. You know, Because, yeah, I agree with what you're saying. That was such a weird thing to do. Yeah, that was one thing I didn't like. Well, if you're going to not – if you're just going to do that, keep letting them fight outside. If you're not going to – if you're – I just think if you're going to do it, do it or don't do it at all. Yeah, have it. Yeah, have it one way or the other. Don't. Yeah, don't do that. Because <laughs> there's been matches where they just fight outside. The people fight outside the ring for however long, and the ref just kind of follows along with them because it's it's the it's just the match situation that it's going to happen like that. But here, it's just it was just weird that they told he got back in the ring. He's like, oh, I need everyone to get back in the ring. And so after so moving back into the match, so. Steiner hits Joe with another chair shot, this time to the back. Joe just barely beats the 10 count. Joe begins his comeback after some right hands from Steiner. He's using the palm thrust. Joe does does hit his signature Uranagi as Steiner charges. Uh, Joe tries to clothesline Steiner, but both guys go for it. Steiner blocks the third, no selling, and then they run off the ropes. Joe ducks and locks in the Kikina clutch also known as the rear naked choke. Uh, Steiner gets out and gets to his feet, backs Joe into the corner. Joe locks it in briefly again, but gets caught with a low blow. Joe does. Steiner hits a half Nelson suplex, dropping Joe on his head for the third time this match. Joe is getting dropped on his head here by Steiner with the suplexes. So then Steiner blocks in the Steiner recliner. Joe is lifeless. Hand gets dropped twice. Then Joe stirs. He picks up Steiner in the electric head, uh, electric head, electric head possession. That's a, that's an interesting thing. Electric <laughs> chair position just kind of drops him overhead. Steiner then turns around into a power slam for the pinfall at 1306, which was kind of a finish out of nowhere. I thought it was, yeah, really, really abrupt because that that's not even a, a finisher or a signature for Samoa Joe, as far it, as I it's know. A, it's a signature, but it's not like it's a signature. It's probably a, one of the signature moves is one of the has the power slam, but it's not like his his finishing moves. You know, Jo, it's the muscle buster and the Kikina yeah. clutch. I was like, it was weird yeah. that he didn't finish him with one. Maybe they didn't want Steiner taking that bump with the with the the uh, muscle buster because that is sometimes known as can be a little dangerous at times. And this Steiner wasn't Steiner just joined TNA, I think in March of this year. So March of 2016, he debuted at a destination X if I'm, if I'm correct. And so I maybe wanted to keep him strong. They didn't want him to tap or anything. So I guess this is right. one way of doing it. What is just, yeah, just I, sorry. I could see that too. Yeah. I was just, I was agreeing. I could see that too. It was I mean, honestly, it was probably even more him than TNA. He probably didn't want to tap. Mm-hmm. Uh, I see. I thought this was a good match. They had some good stuff going, but then there were some just weird like details that I thought with the chair and then the rant, then the starting actually starting the count out. I didn't like those were certain things I didn't like. I just and I didn't like the finish with the power slam. I did like the match leading up to it. I gave it a B minus. I wish they would have explained the rules here. Like they would have said, like talked about the ref. Oh, this is the ref's discretion here. It's why the chair is being used. Some kind of explanation because commentary did not give that here. 
Right. And it, it wasn't even a situation where the ref was knocked out or his back was, was turned. Like he was literally staring at Steiner and Samoa Joe doing the count out. And then Steiner hits him with a chair and just rolls back into the ring, which, you know, I thought would have been an immediate DQ. But and speaking of the chair, there was one spot that I thought was kind of dumb where Samoa Joe held up the chair and then punched it into Steiner. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> I mentioned that. It's like, it's like, Joe, my guy, just hit him with the chair. <laughs> you don't you don't have to do that extra step. That I thought was kind of weird. But the majority of the match I really liked. Um, it was cool seeing Joe wrestle at this stage in his career because, my he was, God. He was good. He was really good. <laughs> Really good. Him and AJ Styles, man. I wish I paid more attention to their early, early days. Because that, that 05, 06 for them was their, yeah, that was the sweet spot for like Joe yeah. and Styles. That, that like a, probably 05 was, 05 and maybe early 06 was really where they hit their stride. They were on fire. Yeah, absolutely. And Daniels there um, too. You can't, you can't go without saying Daniels as well. Daniels is not the most flashy out of the, the bunch, but he is the most solid out of the he's probably one of the most solid guys out of the three. I could I could agree with that. But overall good match. Uh some questionable aspects of it. I gave it a B minus. Oh so we're we're on the same page there. Yeah. So we get a preview for TNA's next pay-per-view, which was Victory Road at that point. And then we got right before the main event, it's JB, Jeremy Borash with the TNA, not the TNA, the NWA World Champion, Christian Cage, telling everyone happy anniversary, And he asks, who's the champ? Then JB sitting there all confused. And he's like, JB, he's like, I'm talking to you, dumbass. He says, I am. <laughs> and he talks about the how no one's retained the title in a King of the Mountain match. Because I'm pretty sure, so it was Jarrett that won the first one in 04. And then Raven won it in 05. And so no one's retained it. Said Singh has shown his true colors earlier tonight during his uh, interview. And Christian compares to holding the title, like compares holding the title to being on drugs. Feels that running through his veins, he's confident. And ever since Je Christian showed up, what was Jeff com Jeff's company turned into Christian's property. And he's going to walk mm -hmm. out still champ because as he likes to say at this point, that's how I roll, which I don't really like that catchphrase at all, but whatever. <laughs> now, but, but Sig Daddy, before you get into the breakdown of the match, can we talk about like the match first? Uh-huh. So I alluded to it before, but so the king, the, this king of the mountain match, man, the idea of a reverse money in the bank or a reverse ladder match, I dig it. I think it's a really cool idea with you have to pin someone to qualify to hang it. But, man, please explain to me the penalty box. So that who was – that? I mean, I, 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 I knew the rule and, you know, everything, but the idea, I guess I should say, the penalty box, it just didn't make sense to me. Well, it's punishing the guy who got pinned. That's pretty much the idea of it. I know it's not the best thing ever. I I, I, I like the King of the Mountain match because it's an interesting concept, but I get I get I get your point in the penalty box. But I guess it really just serves as a punishment for the guy who got pinned who ate, ate the fall, so he can't climb the ladder to hang up the championship. 
Like that's like, I guess that's kind of the point here. Okay. 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 Yeah. Jesus, how many times can I say okay? <laughs> no, that that makes sense. Okay, you. I think you might have immediately just changed my mind on this on that aspect of it because if if you're looking at it strategically, if someone qualified and is able to hang the belts, all you have to do is pin them, and then that at least buys you two minutes. Yep. Okay. Jesus Christ. How. All right, that makes sense. I take back every negative thought I was thinking about how dumb that was. That makes sense. Okay, okay, TNA. I like it. I like okay. it. So this is a King of the Mountain, the third ever King of the Mountain match for the NWA World Heavyweight Championship. We're on the Truth Killings, which, by the way, is a two-time NWA World Champ versus Sting, the icon, versus the Monster Abyss, versus Jeff Jarrett, versus Christian Cage, the current NWA World Heavyweight Champion. Uh, at as of that pay-per-view, as of that time, heading into that match. It's the main event, King of the Mountain match. And so J.O. took, well, I was going to explain everyone at home if they are not familiar with the King of the Mountain match. So there's going to be five participants, a reverse ladder match. So winner, people qualify to hang the title belt. Winner has to hang the, winner has to hang the title belt above the ring. You have to hang it on this little thing at the top, up top of the ladder. But in order to qualify, you have to pin someone. So if you get a pinfall over someone, you are eligible now to climb the ladder and win the TNA, not the TNA, but the NWA World Heavyweight Championship. The, the one who eats the fall has to go into the penalty box for two minutes. And so, yeah, it's pretty much that's that's about all needs to be explained in that match. If, if I'm, Do you think I covered everything, J.O.? Well, I think that's pretty much it to a T. So heading into this match, Abyss is the only one that hasn't won the world title. Eventually, he does win the NWA World Heavyweight Championship later on, I think, in the year or maybe at the beginning of the next year. But did you notice one thing about our truth Ron, the truth killings here, J.O.? Do you hear his music? Yeah, it's the same one from WWE. And I thought, I had to think, is it his song? Yes, that is his song. That's what I thought. Because, I mean, of, of course it sounds like him, but if it's his song, then, of course, he owns the rights to it. So then it's up to him if he wants to take it with him if he leaves. That was a, Yeah, that was almost the first thing I noticed when I uh, saw him come out. That song has lasted him this long. It's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, and we, I know we're going to get into it eventually soon. And you know what? I'm going to add our truth to that list, or Ron Killings, of – man, I wish I paid attention to them earlier in their careers because I've never seen a version of R-Truth like this before. He can actually also serious. go. Yeah, he can go when he has to. I was so surprised he hit, he hit what, a, a topa over the top row? Yeah, he hit a tope, like, yeah. Goodness. Tope cone, he My low. goodness. Yeah, he was good. My goodness. Yeah, he had, and, he had, some, he had some really good stuff in this. And... <laughs> It, was it crazy or too optimistic for me to think? Because if you remember the spot right before the tope, him and Sting were like looking eye to eye, and Sting was pointing outside the uh, the the ropes. And I knew our truth could, but I was st I started thinking to myself, is Sting about to do a dive outside of the ro ring? Like, how old is this man? There's no way he can do this anymore. But no, he just climbed from the top, which was still kind of crazy. But I was. I was really, for a split second there, I was expecting to see Sting do a suicide dive. 
Oh yeah. Yeah. There was, okay. I got to bring this up because I want, I just, we're coming off of forbidden door, AEW new Japan. So sting dives off sting in this match here in the slammiversary king of the mountain match, 2006 dies off the top of the cage. So sting last night. So this is being recorded Monday sting last night at forbidden door. You know, the entrance ramps at AEW, they have the each circular ramp. Yes. The oval, whatever leading out to it. Well, Sting jumps off the top of that. So everyone makes their entrance. Sting doesn't make his entrance with the faces. The Bucks come out with El Fantasmo. Whites go out. They show the rafters. And apparently Sting's in the rafters, which is probably some mock person, some person uh, uh, dressed up anyway, because that would have been the craziest teleporting job I've ever seen in my life, because he was at the top of the United <laughs> Center, which is incredibly high. But then they shut the lights off, turn back on, stinks at the top of this entrance thing, on top of the entrance thingy. He jumps off of it, cross bodies, the Bucks and El Fantasmo and Hikaleo. Oh my God. He's 63 years old. (laughs) I was going to say 60 plus doing dives. I was impressed with the one I saw today. My goodness. The dude's insane. Sting is the great Sting is okay. I'm not, it's this word gets this uh phrase gets used used way too often. The goat, I don't know. Sting's making a case for it right now. He's definitely in the conversation. I'll, I'll say this Sting is living his best life right now. I'm gonna say doing his thing in AEW. Glad to see. I mean, obviously, he's ha- enjoying it. Otherwise, he wouldn't be doing this. He's so, having it, dude. He's having. He's got to be having so much fun, dude. Um, Sting is one of the most protected guys in AEW. <laughs> he does not <laughs> eat pins. He will not get pins. He, he shouldn't at this point, to be honest. Dude, dude's amazing, and even at sixty-three, so he's making a case for him as one of the goats, but. Here we go. So we get to back to the match here. We got a little off onto a little tangent, but that's okay. Um, how do you feel about Christian's entrance attire? I didn't like it. I liked it. I liked it. So you probably know about more of the meaning behind it, but his back said Mr. Mr. Peeps or something. I don't know. I didn't see that part of it, but I don't and know. And then he. He, he he had the uh, Goldberg esque video entrance. Like, did he do that a lot during? No, he always has. This... The, he always has the ten nine eight. Well, he didn't. That was that was not really. That was just for that that show. He was it just that. for that show? They, okay. So so Jo to give you an idea, TNA does that. TNA will do used to do that a lot, where they would show backstage as they're walking up towards the ring, and then they have their music hit and stuff. They have this like music playing in the background, but then they'd eventually hit their music and they'd be out. They, they TNA did that a lot back. They did those little backstage things. Did they do it other times in the pay per view when I just missed it? Yeah, they've done it other times. Like like this pay per view. No, not this uh, pay, not this pay per view specifically, but other pay per views. Okay. They've, done, they've done stuff similar to that. Okay, because I I I just didn't know, I, I didn't know that I just thought it was something Christian actually, did. They did. Actually, if you remember this, they did the RV. They did that kind of thing with RVD and AJ Styles and that TNA Sacrifice 2010. Huh. I, th- I think they they may have or may not. I I might be I might be remembering wrong. I'd have to rewatch that, that. But 
Anyway, See, I don't know why I don't know why I noticed this his specifically, but I just made that connection in my mind, which it works for someone like Goldberg, but I didn't think it worked for Christian. So, yeah, so now that I know that's not what he was trying to do, it doesn't really make sense for me to say it doesn't work for him to do it, but. Mm-hmm. I don't even know what I'm trying to say now, but it just caught me off guard. I'll it's say. it's okay. It's okay. So also, I forgot to mention in the rules, balls count anywhere here. So you can you can pin anybody anywhere. So at least they made that clear during the match. They did make that clear, and we and one of the <laughs> first notes I have, one of the first major highlights I have is True taking out three guys in the match with a tope con hello. Such and a good. Yeah, it was, really, spot. it was really good. And then Sting, we get Sting diving off the penalty box, taking everyone out. Um, Truth pushes Jarrett to the middle. Missile drop kick to Jarrett by Truth. Truth then stacks him up for the pin, which then Sting forces Jarrett into the penalty box. Truth then knocks Sting into the penalty box, and Christian brawls with Abyss. Eventually, Christian rolls up Abyss after he tries to press slam him through the tables on the outside because that's where Abyss. That's what Abyss was doing. Now Abyss has to go in the penalty box, and he's about to meet up with Jarrett in there, but Jarrett gets right out right before Abyss goes in. So now two guys are eligible to hang the title. A couple interesting spots. Jarrett sandwiches Christian in a ladder, stepping and standing on him. Uh, Truth gets crotched on the top rope. Jarrett hits the stroke off the apron onto the guardrail, which was nasty. Mm, yes, that looked like it hurt. Yeah, so Jarrett actually covers on the outside. Now he's eligible. His truth goes to the penalty box. So we have three guys eligible. Truth, Jarrett, and Cage are elgi- all eligible. And not, some of these guys don't get eligible until later in the match. The, cra- the, fight, the match kind of spills out into the crowd for quite a while, for at least four or five minutes at least. Um, truth gets out. Truth, uh, as he gets released from the penalty box. Everyone's still in the crowd, so he tries to sneak in and win the title to hang the title up. But Abyss tips the ladder. Uh, Christian, at one point, sticks Jarrett in an upside-down ladder and stands on it and tries to hang the belt. I like that spot because it was pretty creative. Oh, yeah, I like that one, too. It reminded me a lot of... um... If you remember, Kofi Kingston used to have a lot of good spots like that in Money in the Bank. Like, mm-hmm. I think, who was it? It might have been, like, Mark Henry or someone holding up the ladder. And then Kofi just jumped up and tried climbing it. Mm-hmm. It reminded me a lot of that. Well, Kofi, there was one time where he was a broken ladder, and he held two different points of the ladder, and he tried to climb it. Yeah, yeah. I do remember that. Okay. Oh. Yeah, Kofi did a lot of cool stuff. Kofi's done a lot of cool stuff in la- not only Royal Rumble matches, but ladder matches as well. Um, we got Abyss flinging the ladder back, taking out the ref. Abyss stops Jarrett from taking the title and climbing. Black hole slam to Jarrett. No ref. So the ref's out at this point, which is Earl Hebner, until one comes out. Abyss does get the three count, is now eligible to climb. Jarrett then has to go in the penalty box once again. Abyss sets up a chair on cage. Abyss climbs the ladder. Sting pushes the ladder, sending him crashing through three of the four tables set up outside. And then we get Sting's no-selling Christian's punches. Sting's the last one and not eligible here. So everyone's eligible besides Sting. Sting hits some of his own. Stinger splash in the corner, locks in the scorpion death lock. 
Jarrett sneaks out of the penalty box somehow, which Zabisco, Jalari Zabisco is supposed to be watching this the whole match because he's <laughs> the guy ringside here. But we find out later he's working in cahoots with Jarrett. But yeah, like there was still time on the clock, you noticed, right, J.O., with the Jarrett? Yeah, but wasn't it only like three-ish seconds? It was, it was like, it was like it? 10 seconds. It was over 10 seconds or so still. Oh, okay. Yeah, it was still like, it was always around like 15, 20 seconds almost, maybe a little less but than 20. But Jarrett tries to use the guitar on Sting. Christian stops him. Sting instructs Cage to climb as he locks in the scorpion on Jarrett. So what Sting said he was going to do, he did do because he wanted to make sure Jarrett doesn't win the title. But Zabisco comes out. Comes into the ring, low blows Christian as he climbs. So this is where all the overbooking comes into play here. Really starts kicking in. Throws him out of the ring. Sting knocks Zabisco through the ropes. Sting hits the hits the scorpion death drop on Jarrett. Earl Hebner is still out of it completely. Uses Earl's arm to make the count himself, making Sting now qualified for the to hang the title. So that should send Jarrett to the penalty box, right? Wrong. Right. <laughs> So Christian oh, and no. Sting, yeah, Christian and Sting fight on top of the ladder. Then we get Earl Hebner, who you know they gotta they gotta rehash the Montreal screw job somehow every freaking time. Earl pushes the ladder over, knocking Christian and Sting off into the outside. Jarrett climbs as Trash flies into the ring, hangs the title, and once again is the NWA World Champion. If you think the reign of terror from Triple H is bad. It's look, look at Jeff Jarrett and TNA. It's it's he has the reign of terror. But yeah, that finish was horrible, by the way. Trash is flying into the ring because fans are absolutely crapping all over this. Zabisco score escorts Earl out as Trash continues to fly. Jarrett scurries away. Tanae sums it up. The world, the words we hate more than any other in the Eng- in the English language, Jeff Jarrett has become t- become NWA world champion. And uh, as Jarrett's celebrating on the ramp, Rudy Charles takes the belt and gives it to the new authority figure, Jeff Jarrett's enemy, Jim Cornette. Your thoughts on this match, J.O., the finish? I, You know what? I didn't hate it. I didn't hate it. And uh, you talk, you, you just said it, but I, I liked the visual of the fans throwing the trash into the ring. Like, I thought that looked pretty cool. I'm not going to lie. That, that part was cool because I saw it not too long ago with the uh, Matt Cardona and Nick Gage match. I just think it here it was way, way too much going on at the end because there was like three different screwy things that all happened at one time. Two or three things, I mean. The only part that I did like was uh, uh, Earl Hebner throw, pushing the ladder over. I thought mm-hmm. that was a cool thing for a ref to do. But other than, other than that, yeah, I think there was too much going on. And tell me if you agree, but, the man, the Scorpion Deathlock, that Sting locked on, I think it was Christian. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was Christian. My God, that was an awful Scorpion Deathlock. Yeah, he, he, he didn't usually lean. He didn't like leaning back to on that very much. I know it didn't look good. It didn't look good, but. Okay. I say it did not look good, like at all. But it leaves that air of mystery of what's going to happen next on TNA Impact when, because Jarrett has the belt, but Cornette took it away. So what's happening here? So we'll find out. You'll find out at some point. I didn't 
I didn't I didn't look it up what actually happened. It may have been stripped. Who knows? But I know Jarrett <laughs> is holding the title at Bound for Glory in October, so he couldn't have lost it for very long if he did. I, I'm, I'll have to look at the timeline, but I thought the match was pretty enjoyable for me until the end. I thought it was kind of in, incredibly overbooked. And then Jarrett winning the title again. And we saw Zubis, Zabisco and Hebner were in cahoots with Jarrett. I gave this match a C plus. It was in B B my it was in B territory up until the end for me. I gave it a B. I thought it was fun throughout. And he, there was a, a lot of good spots. Again, the idea of a reverse uh, ladder match, I think, is pretty cool. And, you know, you've turned me around on the idea of the penalty box. So, you know, I'm going to give its props to there. It's a pretty interesting aspect of it now. I agree. And seeing our truth in a different light, I thought was also really, really cool seeing how he can go mm-hmm. as opposed to the comedic uh, persona that WWE has, that he has in WWE. Mm-hmm. And while there are some aspects of the end that I do agree with, I didn't think it bothered me that much. So yeah, B, give it a B. Hey, it's fair assessment, fair assessment. And this match is really star-studded if you look at it. Like, it's crazy to think if you if you're just a WWE guy, would you ever sit think like, oh yeah, our truth is going to be in a match with Sting? No. <laughs> yeah. No. Nope. Who would have thought? Not me. Not me. Look at us. Look at us. We're watching TNA Slammiversary <laughs> 2006. So, all right, Jo, what is your final grade for this show? For TNA Slammiversary 2006, the four-year anniversary of TNA. Overall, I'd give it a B. Maybe even closer to a B plus. Hey, uh, I, overall, I... overall, good matches out of the, what, the seven. Mm-hmm. There was maybe just one that I really didn't care about. And even that match wasn't bad. It was just, you know, I didn't care about it. But Which all the other... All, all the good ones were really good. Mm-hmm. So B. By the way, that, by the way, I know which match you're talking about. It's the handicap match with Demore and Rude and Rhino. I, I know it's absolutely. That one. It's that one. Absolutely. I gave this a B. I was bordering B minus, but I decided to give it a B because I thought it was a pretty solid show with two really good matches in the uh, six man elimination X division match and the uh, the uh, NWA tag title match between AMW and the and uh, AJ Styles and Christopher Daniels. I thought nothing was offensive except maybe the finish to the main event. Tag title like a match, I said, was the match of the night by a mile. X Division match was pretty darn good in its own right as well, but I thought everything outside of that, everything was okay to good. So it made for a pretty solid pay-per-view. Pretty pretty nice watch here uh, for uh, TNA Slammiversary 2006. Um, this, this pay-per-view can be found on, uh, TNA's, uh, impact wrestling, impact wrestling's, uh, YouTube page. So if you want to check it out, make sure to check it out on YouTube, uh, at, uh, on impact wrestling's YouTube page, just type in TNA Slammiversary 2006 and you will find this show, but yeah, solid show all around better than the, better than TNA sacrifice 2010, which we reviewed a while, uh, last month, right, J.O.? 
Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And we'll be doing more of these TNA pay-per-view reviews in the future. So look forward to doing those next time on Sig Daddy's Wrestling Show. We will be doing a watch-along. So John Cena, 20 years in WWE, celebrating 20 years in WWE. Next time on Sig Daddy's Wrestling Show, we'll be doing a watch-along of one of his legendary matches. And we have decided it will be John Cena versus JBL in one of his early WWE title defenses. I quit match from Judgment Day 2005. And that is going to be a brutal and bloody watch, J.O., if you know anything about that. I think I do. I'm thinking back to... uh... I'm thinking back to, I'm pretty sure I know some, some of the stuff that goes down during that match. So it's going to be a hell entertaining uh, watch along. Make sure to tune in for that when it drops here on Sig Daddy's wrestling show. Before we go, J.O., where can everyone find you? I'm on Twitter and, and Instagram at Jeremy Rodas, all lowercase. And you can find Sig Daddy's wrestling show on Twitter Facebook and TikTok at Sig Daddy Wrestling and on Instagram at SigDaddy.Wrestle. If you like Sig Daddy's Wrestling Show, make sure to give us a five star review either on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And you can listen to Sig Daddy's Wrestling Show wherever you get your podcasts Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the iHeartRadio app, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, wherever you get your podcasts, you can listen to Sig Daddy's Wrestling Show. And if you like the show, make sure to give it a five, 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 five star review. Until next time though. What, Jail? I said a lot of fives. A lot of fives. I'll make sure to do five, five times. I had had to make sure to do the five, five times and I was counting in my head. I may have done six. Who knows? I'm terrible at math. (laughs) So I wasn't a math major in college, Jail. We, we all know that We're, we're, I was not a math major. I was a comm major. So Com major, as com, as it goes, com majors don't know how to do math. No, we do not. No, we do not. But thank you again, J.O., for coming on the show. Hope you enjoyed doing that uh, Slammiversary review uh, with me. I'm excited to do John Cena with you next week. Absolutely, man. Always a pleasure. All right. Until next time, that's J.O. I'm Skyler Sig Daddy Sigmund saying thank you all for listening. And so long, everybody. <laughs>